Well, good morning, everyone. It's usually better if you bring the right piece of paper out with you. A very, very warm welcome to our service today. I'm aware that we have several visitors with us. We have one lady who's come all the way from Germany to be with us this morning and who watches us regularly online. And Angela has a friend in California who also watches us online and she promised to wave to her friend. So, Angela, come on out and wave to your friend. <laughs> Sunday school will be on as usual this morning, as will the third week, sorry, the Thursday service at half past ten on Thursday, funnily enough. Crafty meets on Tuesday from one o'clock onwards, and the Bible study meets here in the church on Wednesday at seven o'clock. Country dancing on Thursday at half past two, and the care and share lunch is on Friday. There's going to be a craft fair in the church on Saturday the 28th of October from 10 o'clock until 3 o'clock, featuring a wide range of products made by local crafters. It was a great day last year, um, so if you can manage to come along, uh, please do so. Saturday the 28th. We now have copies of the electoral register made up. Those who requested to be added on have been added on. I have it there. If anyone would like to check if they're on or not, then please see me at the end of the service. Okay? Thank you. Lastly, I have to, with sadness, announce the death of Jim Mitchell of Montgomery Crescent in Salkos. And I would ask you all to remember his wife, Marion, and his daughter, Fiona, and the wider family in your prayers. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Vivian. Um, so we are going to have a look and see where Flat Jesus has been over the last week or so. Um, and uh, we're going to get those up on the screen in just a little moment. If you're not aware of it at all, um, Flat Jesus um, is the uh, pictures that we do of Jesus and we see him in different uh, little locations. So here we've got uh, Flat Jesus with Evelyn's grandchildren here. Um, so that's an absolutely brilliant photo there. Um, and I've got to say, I like the Paw Patrol uh, t-shirt, that's good. My little daughter's into Paw Patrol. We've got Flat Jesus here at the Guild Opening Communion. Um, I can't spot Flat Jesus there. Oh, in the lectern. I was there standing in the front and I didn't, I didn't actually notice that at all. So that shows you my powers of observation there. Excellent. Um, we've also got Flat Jesus here um, having Last Supper in Turkey. Um, so I'm not sure if that's biblical or not because that kind of looks a bit more like a curry, but um, it looks good nonetheless. Um, and then I promised that if I went to get um, a bit of a hill walk in that I would take one up. So this is um, Flat Jesus up the top of Coruscant uh, on Thursday this week, which is down in Dumfries and Galloway. Um, so that's about 800 odd metres high and about 2,600 odd foot if you work in foot. 
The challenge to you is that you need to see if you can get Flat Jesus higher for next week. So if anyone wants to go and take a little trip up to Ben Nevis or something like that, um, or any of the Monroes will be higher than that one there. Um, so that's where Flat Jesus has been for this week. Let's join together now, though, in our call to worship. Lord, we ask you to throw open every window and every door by which your word might reach us. Open our hearts, open our minds, and open our spirits to whatever you have to say to us today. In the world right now, which is crying out with pain and suffering, particularly in the Middle East, we ask you to remind us today of your nature. We ask that you open our eyes and our hearts to what you have to say to us today. Amen. Let's sing together. We've got our first hymn today, which is Praise the Holiest in the High.
We invite Vivian Bruce up just now to um, lead us in our prayer of adoration and of praise. Let us pray. Most gracious God, open us up to a sense of your presence with us now, for we believe that you are always here, always present, that there is no place where you are not. And yet, so often we go through life unaware of you. So help us now to become aware of your presence with us and within us and in the space between. Help us to realise that there are no unsacred spaces, only sacred places and desecrated places, and that by our attention to you, we make this a sacred space. For we come to meet with you, trusting that knowing you will bring us all that we need to face what life has in store for us. We long for the day when things will be done your way on earth as they are in heaven. So hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Vivian. So I've got a bit of a challenge for the younger folks today, but you can also take part if you're young at heart. So if you're wanting to take part, um, just give me a little um, show of hands. I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of drawing. Would you guys care to do a little bit of drawing? Would that be okay? So if I give you each a sheet of paper. I'm quite surprised there's not any adults wanting to take part in this. I'm going to take a pen, whichever one you like. Oh, excellent. We've got a few adults now. You were just waiting for an excuse, really, weren't you? Excellent. Good stuff. We're taking one or two back here as well. Fantastic. Some markers for yourselves. Oh, we've got a few down here as well. Excellent. More takers than I thought. Okay. You don't have to sing, no. It's only a dance that you have to do, so that's all right. We can if you like. Excellent. And we've got two last ones here. And then we've got a few pens. And you can just leave those pens on your seat later on today and I'll grab them from you. Okay, I think we've got everyone who wanted to take part there. Fantastic. So I'm going to put up some instructions 
on to the screen for us, and this will hopefully all make sense. So, I have got a little bit of a definition here, and I'll read it out to you in case you can't see it. So it's a little bit of a definition, and it's an animal that I'm going to ask you to draw just now. I don't want you to share with anyone what animal you think it is. So don't share if you think you know what animal it is. I'd like you to try and draw it based on this description. So the animal in question, it's got long ears. So that's the first thing we need to know about it. The second thing we need to know about it is that it's got a tubular snout. What on earth is a tubular snout? Well, I think it's something that's quite a sort of a long snout, maybe a bit round. It's got strong claws. So it's got big, strong claws. And then it sleeps a lot in the daytime. And that doesn't actually help you all that much with what you're drawing, but maybe you could draw a little zzz uh, next to it to show that it's asleep. So I'm going to give you a minute to see if you can draw this animal. So you've got one minute to see if you can draw this animal. And there's already some animals been drawn up the back there. Fantastic. Excellent. I'll come and see some of these animals in just a moment. There's some absolutely spectacular artwork, I think, going on here in some places. We see no nationality in these animals whatsoever. You've got another 30 seconds or so. Putting a lot of pressure on you, I know. But let's see what we've got. Oh, excellent. We've got some more going on over here. Oh, excellent. Okay. Right. Let's see what some of these animals are then. I'm going to come and have a, a little bit of a look and you can tell me what animal. Excellent. Give us a little show. So we think a, a cat here. Okay, we've got a cat here, and it's a very sleepy-looking cat. We've got, can I show the animal? We've got, we've got a something. <laughs> we've got an excellent drawing down here. These two excellent drawings down here. Um, what animal did we draw over here? Fantastic. It's a, an advark. Okay, interesting. What animal did we go for over here? A dog. This is actually, this is far better than anything I could do. This is a good, this is a good dog. Excellent. Um, what did you go for? A nothing. A nothing. Um, we're being a bit sort of, oh, I'm missing. Oh, excellent. And you've got, you've got your age on it as well, which is brilliant. I think this is a bat. A bat. That's a good bat. Excellent. Fantastic. I think we had some up over here, didn't we? I would recognise that as a pig. Excellent. We've got another pig, I think, over here. It's a combined of various animals. <laughs> We've got a combination of various animals here. We'll pray for that later. Um, thank you. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank you. Excellent. What animal have we got here? Well, I know the answer. So You know the answer. Okay. <laughs> You've looked at the slides. Excellent. And we've got another one over here. Fantastic. Now, I'm really most interested in going down here to see these ones. 
So what do we get down here? I can see already we've got a cat. That's a super cat. Is that an elephant? That's a really good elephant. I love that elephant. And what's that one? That's really good as well. You three and you guys over there, I think you're, you're better, though the dog was very good as well. So we've got a whole bunch of animals here based on the description. The description was actually from the dictionary. So it wasn't my description, and it was an aardvark. So well done. If you said aardvark, very well done. That's what it was. So we can see here that we've got a little definition of an animal, and we've all drawn different things. We've heard different features of the animal, and we've sort of picked out little different things. We got a definition there and we managed to sort of get it different for each and every single one of us. But in the Bible, there isn't a description of what Jesus looks like. We don't get a list of the features that he has. It doesn't tell us how tall he is. It doesn't tell us actually whether he's got a beard. It doesn't tell us what color his skin is. It doesn't tell us very much about him at all. And lots of people throughout time have come up with different ideas of what Jesus might look like. Some of these you might recognize. The one on the very far left here, that is a picture of Jesus that um, some scientists, I think, came up with. And they said, this is what Jesus would look like based on the characteristics of the people that lived in that area at that point in time. And so they said, this is probably what he would look like based on that. The second one is a sort of a typical depiction of Jesus that you might see in the sort of the Renaissance period within the Catholic Church. And you've got that famous sort of um, heart of Jesus in the middle. Then up at the sort of the top right here, you've got a mosaic image of Jesus. Um, so people made a picture of Jesus using all little bricks. And it's quite good fun to do little mosaics if you've ever tried that. And that's what they thought Jesus would look like. And then finally, I've chosen a picture of Jesus from a TV series that's been out in the last year or so called The Chosen, very big in America, and that's their depiction of Jesus in the TV series. And they all look incredibly different. Who's right? Which one's right? None of them. We don't know. We don't know which one got to the closest. Maybe we could guess which one has got it closest, but we don't know what Jesus looks like at all. But we do know what Jesus is like. And we know what his characteristics are and what his nature is. And because of that, it doesn't matter what he looks like. What he looks like is secondary to the nature of him. We know that Jesus shows kindness. We know that Jesus shows meekness, that he doesn't go about boasting and he doesn't go about being prideful. We know that Jesus is compassionate. Can anyone take a guess? What does compassionate mean? Take a wee shout out amongst the kids. It's a difficult word, go for it. Kind, yeah, it's a good word for kind. That was brilliant, well done. So it's a really good word for kind, being kind to people. We know that he's holy as well. So we know that he is a divine person. And we know as well that he is a suffering person. 
And for the children, as you've maybe seen a little bit about the news in the last week or so, we see a lot of bad things happening around us. But what we can know is that Jesus is someone that's experienced that and knows what that's like for us. So, for us as we go about this week, we might not know what Jesus looks like, but it's not important because we know what he is like. We know his nature and we know his abilities. And that's the thing that we should focus on as we see different people in our lives across this week. Not what they look like, but what they are like. Let's join together then in our next song, which is Abba Father, and we're going to sing through that twice. seated as the offering is uplifted.
Let's join together in prayer for our offering. Lord, we thank you for the offerings that we have received today, and we ask for your blessings on them. We know that in our country just now and in this time, everything is expensive and tight and difficult. And we especially thank you for every offering that we can have. We also ask you to encourage us to offer up our time and our talents for all the things that you have for us in the world around us. And we ask you to help us to offer up all the things that we want to let go of as well. All the things in our life that are not God-honoring. All the things in our lives that cause us shame and cause us disappointment. We ask you to help us offer up those things to you as well. To take them from our hearts. And we ask you to move in our hearts to change those. Lord, open our ears and our eyes for your word today as we listen to our readings and as we listen to our sermon today. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from John 18 and Mary Stewart is our reader. beginning at verse 1, the arrest of Jesus. After Jesus had said this prayer, he left with his disciples and went across the brook called Kedron. There was a garden in that place, and Jesus and his disciples went in. Judas the traitor knew where it was, because many times Jesus had met there with his disciples. So Judas went to the garden, taking with him a group of Roman soldiers and some temple guards sent by the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were armed and carried lanterns and torches. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward and asked them, Who is it you're looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, he said. Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they moved back and fell to the ground. Again, Jesus asked them, who is it you're looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I have already told you that I am he, Jesus said. If then you're looking for me, let these others go. He said this so that what he said might come true. Father, I have not lost even one of those you gave me. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's sleeve, cutting off his right ear. The name of the slave was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its place. Do you think that I will not drink the cup of suffering which my father has given me? And then Jesus before Annas. Then the Roman soldiers with their commanding officer and the Jewish guards arrested Jesus, bound him and took him first to Annas. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jewish authorities that it was better that one man should die for all the people. Amen. And may God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. 
and to him be all the praise and glory. We now sing together, Christ's is the world in which we move.
us pray. Lord, this morning, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing before you, God, our Maker. Amen. Thank you, Graham, for leading this far. Friends, we're back in John and the Gospel of John. I think some of you might be quite puzzled that last week we looked at chapter, who remembers? 20. Chapter 20. And we're going back to chapter 18. I think we've been having fun with going back and forth. Last week we explored together the incredible story of Jesus as he resurrected. We explored the powerful encounter Jesus had specifically with Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20. Today we continue our journey through the Gospel of John, but I must say we are shifting and we're nearly coming to an end of chapter of, of the Gospel itself. And next week, I think, if I'm right, we will be looking at the last chapter. Can you believe it? We have been for a long time in the Gospel of John. Now, our study of John's Gospel is swiftly getting to that conclusion. And I think sometimes when you look at, yes, we have already looked at the resurrection, and today we're going back. That back and forth is for a good reason. Because sometimes we meditate better, especially in our time, because we're no longer in that time when the Bible was written, or specifically when this gospel was written. We know the bigger picture of what is to come. Now at this point, Jesus, according to the passage, he's being betrayed, he's being arrested, and he's being tried before his enemies. Yet, through it all, he manifests the character of God. And we see a picture here painted well of Jesus as the model sufferer. What a powerful message this becomes, especially when we have already looked at the resurrection. For we know already that he is alive. And we know that he's going to sustain the suffering and the pain. So we come with that perspective. Now this morning, as the Lord gives liberty, I would like us to take a moment to look at Jesus and what he's experiencing as he is suffering, as, as the model sufferer. My aim this morning is to show you what he suffered for you and why he did what he did for us. My desire is to help us to see that Jesus has made a way for us to be saved. The way has been made for us. That he has done everything that is necessary for you and I to stand up and say, I, the, the, the way has been made for me and nothing can stop me from being saved. Now let's look into these verses and we are looking in in the bigger picture at John chapter 18. Now one of the things that we begin to see and we see throughout the gospel of John is this. Jesus has proved who he is. 
He has proved his deity or his divinity. And he has proved now and again by claiming to be God himself. Maybe to recap, you may remember this in John chapter 10 verse 30. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. And in John chapter 8, verse 58, he says, Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. He has also proven this claim time and again that he he is God the Son, but him and God the Father are one. Now let's look at verse 4 and 7. When the soldiers came, to arrest Jesus. And of course, we know what happened. He asked them, who are you seeking? And they responded saying, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. And his, his simple response was, I am he. I am he. And again, we know from the Old Testament, the great I am. And this exclamation from Christ was a claim that he is God. By saying, I am, he was again claiming to be God. And notice what happened when he said this in verse 6. We are told, we are told in verse 6, that as he said, I am, the soldiers, and approximately, we can only approximate how many they were, between 400 and 600, some commentators say, as soon as he said, I am he, they fell to the ground. They fell to the ground. Now, I don't know about the rest of you this morning listening, but if I had been in that number of soldiers, I would have had second thoughts about trying to capture this man. Because in him saying, I am, immediately they experienced the power of God. I don't know why, I'm sure, I don't know why they didn't ask themselves, why are we falling down at him saying, I am? Maybe the question you might be asking is, what does this mean for us? And simply this, Jesus is God. We know that from John 1 verse 1 and John 1 verse 14. It's perfectly clear, friends. And one thing that I want to emphasize already as we begin to explore Jesus as the model sufferer is this. You will never be saved until first of all you come to a place where you acknowledge Jesus Christ, not as a good man, not as any other man, not as a prophet, but as God. And that's very important to note. You can never be saved until you come face to face with and accept the fact that Jesus is God. So that's the first thing that I want us to notice. And we also see more of being God in what he does. And in verse 8 to 9, we see God is always concerned about what is happening around. God is always concerned. So his concern gives us a glimpse into his deity. Now, you, you ask in verse 8 and 9, who is he concerned about? He's concerned about his disciples. 
that they not be arrested, but that they be allowed to go free. It's as if he's saying, if any of the disciples were ever going to get to a place where they say, you know what, we suffered for Jesus, we suffered the same with Jesus, then it would have taken away the fact that he's God, the mortal sufferer. So you see, Jesus was concerned with the protection of his disciples. They were special to him. And he was determined to see that their needs were met that night. How does this demonstrate his divinity? By the simple fact that he cared more for their welfare than he did for his own. That can only be done by God. Jesus shows a self-sacrificing love that defies the description. Only God can do this. May I remind you this morning that things have not changed. Things have not changed. Jesus is still very concerned about the needs you and I have this morning. And maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, really, can he really, does he really care? What about what's going on in, 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 in Israel? Is God concerned about the Palestinians and, and, and the Israelites themselves? Is he concerned? What about the nitty-gritties of my life? Is he concerned? Does he care? And I want to remind you this morning, as you walk out of this place, go with this. He cares, and he cares about the details of your life. Verse 11, 10 and 11, we see his compassion. Now, when the soldiers came to take away Jesus, Peter, of course, draws his sword and cuts the ear of one of the men, Malchus, we are told. And I do not for a minute believe that Peter was trying to wound Malchus. He was trying to kill him. That was his intention. But Peter missed, and of course we know that. And it's not by coincidence. What happened is not coincidence. Jesus was in control of things. And only God can do this kind of caring to care for those people who are even seeking to arrest him. I'm sure most of you today are glad to see your friends fighting for you and standing up for you, especially when they stand against your enemies. Who of us doesn't like that? But that's not Jesus. He was moved with compassion for one who was his enemy and reached out to him in love. And I, I, I thought this was a turning point. And this would have been a turning point for some soldiers at least, to say the least. But none of them could see this as a great miracle, to see this as something that would stop them going ahead. But they went ahead. And by the way, he also did this for you. He was doing this for you. You and I, we were the enemies of God according to Romans 8 verse 7. Yet he still reached out to us through his matchless, marvelous grace. Oh, what a savior. Oh, what a Lord. I'm glad this morning that the Lord was moved with compassion when he saw me. And when he sees you, and when he sees us. 
had it not been that love and compassion, some of us would not be here. Some of us would not be called Christians. Is it only compassion and how he cares and how he was showing off his deity and divinity? No. In verse 11, look at his commission. A final proof of his deity is seen in the fact that he seems determined to go to the cross. He had been, from the beginning, he knew what he was up to. If it was me, I would have given up. I'm sure some of you, I can't speak for you, but I can only speak for myself. I would have given up too much, too much drama, too much to continue to push for this. But that's not Jesus. He set his face and went to the cross and drank the bitter cup of death for you and for me. Friends, I'm grateful this morning that Jesus did not cringe in the face of the cross. He did not cringe in the face of Calvary. I'm so thankful today that he was willing to face Calvary. He was willing to face the cross so that we can be saved. I tell you, we serve a wonderful Savior in Jesus Christ. For he first death, he could see in chapter 18, death coming, the cross coming, and yet he was willing to continue to go. To the cross. What a savior we have. Now the question I want to ask this morning is do you see his divinity? Do you see him, Jesus, as God? And I know some of you, you've got that at the back of your mind. We have looked at the resurrection. We know that. And, and don't, don't flush away that. Put it alongside with this model sufferer, Jesus Christ. Even as Jesus was being led away to an illegal trial, unfounded charges being put before him, he retained his dignity. Not one time do we see him begging for mercy. Do you realize this? Not even one time do we see him compromising by trying to get, get to reach out to humanity and getting to say, man, bear with me. He didn't even say that. He didn't even do anything to give us an idea that he was human. He remained God. In verse 12 and 13, in his arrest, when the soldiers came to carry Jesus away, he did not resist. He did not retaliate. He submitted to them and went to trial because he was determined to die on the cross so that you and I might have means whereby we could be saved. Not one moment with his lips did he ever say or give a hint of saying, I can do with your help. Now, I don't want to concentrate on this, but let me share with you some, in some way how the, the trial itself was illegal. I, I'm just giving you the 
plenty of reasons. I could count up to about 12 or so, but let me give you some of them. Their rest was not, according to culture, permitted to be done during the night, and yet he was. He was taken in at night. The trial took place illegally at night again, on the evening before the Sabbath. And that's unheard of. A guilty sentence could only be given on the day after the trial. It was not the same for Jesus. The Sanhedrin exceeded its authority by initiating charges instead of investigating them. That's again another reason why this was unfounded on. The trial did not occur in the designated meeting place of the Sanhedrin as required by Jewish law. Another reason, I could go on and on to give you the basis to really get to see that what Jesus was going through was not something typical to human being, but something about God himself. This was a divine appointment by God. And through all the injustice and through all the lies and deceptions, Jesus retained his dignity. He stood as the creator being tortured by the, the creation that he had made. He suffered it all because he loved. And perhaps the hardest part of the whole process for Jesus was the utter and bitter rejection by the people. He came to save the same people that were actually rejecting him. And in this chapter, we find Jesus suffering at the hands of friends and enemies alike. And I want you to notice that those who turned to him, especially in verses 2 to 3, he was betrayed by Judas. This man, in case you forget, this man who had lived and walked with Jesus for three years, he turned on him. This must have been bitter for Jesus if he was only human, but he was both human and God. And I want you to, to look at the godly element taking over there because if he was human, he would have turned to Judas and say to Judas, Judas, really three years? I've done this and that and that and that for you. The other person, he was denied by Peter. But before I, before I criticize Peter, let me commend Peter. Because he was the only man who stood right until the end. Yes, whatever happened, but he stood by Jesus. And that's good enough. But before Peter could actually get to be too excited and, and miss the point, comes the reality, the very men who swore that all others might leave Jesus, but that he would stay with him to death. This man, three times, denied of knowing Jesus. That must have been bitter to the human side of Jesus. In verse 38 to 40, he was, reje he was rejected by Israel. You may remember this. When Jesus came into the world, he came in fulfillment of the Jewish prophecies concerning the Messiah. 
He came to establish the kingdom of God and the world. And he came to liberate people. And yet the same people he came to liberate, what happened? They rejected him. And what amazes me is that men are still guilty of doing this very thing. They deny Jesus. They betray Jesus. They reject Jesus. But wait a minute, Israel and Judas rejected Jesus out of pure unbelief. But last, last week we spoke about Jesus. And we spoke about the resurrection. And for you and I, we are privileged. Or oh, unfortunately, we tough on us. Because we know that he's going to, to come to life. They didn't know. Peter denied him in a moment of weakness, that's justified. But every day in the world, people reject Jesus in an effort to enjoy life of sin for a few more days. Pride gets on us as we reject Jesus and we say, maybe some other day. Some do simply because they are fools. And the Bible says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Friends, please do not make the same mistake as others in 2023. Why? Because we know he died. We know he was buried. We know he rose again on the third day. We know he's alive and we are not going to, to budge with this. Because we know sh surely well that he is the king of kings and we cannot compare Jesus to anyone, to any other possible religion because like i said last week all other leaders have died and have been buried but jesus is alive so pilate asked him in verse 37 are you a king then and Jesus answered in the most incredible way. He said, you say that I am a king. But not only that, he goes on to say, I was born and came into the world for this one purpose, to speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. And Jesus makes it clear to Pilate that he came to this world not to live but to die. Jesus had three majestic peaks. He knew of three things that I want to close with. One, he knew there had to be a cross. Without a cross, there is no salvation. Secondly, he knew that they had to be a crown, the crown that he's wearing as he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. Thirdly, he knew that they had to be a call, and I'm going to come back to finish with the call. They had to be a cross. Jesus plainly says that his purpose in coming in the world was to go to the cross and die. And for many, this causes confusion. They fail to understand that it takes blood to deal with sin. No wonder why your works or being a good man will not take you to heaven. 
but it is believing in Jesus Christ that will do the wonders. It's the blood. It's the cross. Therefore, people ought to be aware of religion. Religion tells us that works are good. They will take you somewhere. They lie to us. We lie to ourselves. Some of us, we say to ourselves, oh, baptism will do the wonders. Trust me, it doesn't. Some of us, we, take, we, we, we tell us ourselves that, oh, at least I'm affiliated with this church. I'm a member of this church. I come every Sunday. That alone will not even take you anywhere. You know these songs well, don't you? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know this very well. Another one. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm not a good singer. The second thing is this. They had to be a crown. Jesus states in this verse that he is to bear witness to the truth. He bore witness to the truth of his claims when three days after his death, he rose from the dead and is crowned for us. You see, a dead savior could have paid for sin. But as our high priest, Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, is in heaven. Friends, you serve a risen Savior. Or maybe let me not assume, do you serve a risen Savior? I want to close with the, with a the call. There had to be a call. Notice that Jesus said that those who were, who, were, who were of the truth would hear his voice. As men and women walk through this world, God calls them to him through the Spirit. When they hear his voice, they can respond to Jesus and be saved through grace. However, before the call could be given, the Savior had to die and rise again from the dead. This, my friends, is the gospel. That Jesus, for sin, rose from the dead and calls all men and women to come unto him. If you will come unto him, you could be saved right now. The call is still being made today. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I wonder if you can understand this morning the truth that Jesus did what he did for you. I wonder if it makes sense to you today. Perhaps we have heard the old, old story many times before and you've never received Jesus into your heart and life. Maybe this morning you feel him calling to you to come. Why not do that today? Why not do that today? If you have never been saved, let me remind you that Jesus loves you and has made a way for you before you were born. 
He, he, he really went to the cross. He died on that cross for you. And he rose again for you. That you can walk and say, nothing I bring but myself to you, my maker. And if you are here, I know this is very intimidating for some. And it's un, unchurchly for some. But if you are here and you're not sure, I'm not saying so that people can judge you, but I'm saying if you're not sure that you're saved, raise your hand, I'll come to you and pray with you. Or come forward if you feel you want to come to this Jesus who says, come to me, I love you, I've died for you. Or even if you are shy and you you don't have the boldness, please speak to me after the service. But is there anyone this morning who says, I'm not quite sure. If you're here, you can raise your hand or you can come forward or you can see me after the service or you can see us after the service. Is there anyone? If you can raise your hand, I'll come to you right now and pray with you. If not, we'll come. Graham and I will be here at the end of the service to pray for you and with you. We're going to sing, O love that will not let me go.
Please be seated. Let us pray. Most generous God, you sent Jesus into the world that we might know how much you love us and also to invite us to join in the work of building the kingdom, learning to serve one another and becoming your servant leaders in sharing, even in sharing your pain, in sharing and taking part in, what, in that which you do. And so we bring our thanks for the major blessings in our lives. Some of us have homes and family. We have good health. We have security. We have friendship and faith. But also for the little things that can make such a big difference to how we feel. The word of kindness. Someone remembering our name. An unexpected visit or thoughtful gift. Our prayers take us into deep, dark waters when we think of all that is wrong in the world, the war. Our mind turns to the violence in Israel and Gaza Strip. Oh Lord, we think of men and women and children. We think of the famine in some parts of the world where floods have just left people hopeless and helpless. We think of oppression. We think of earthquakes and floods. Oh Lord, so much pain, so little we can do to help. And so we bring our thoughts back to the smaller context of people who, whom we know Situations where we might just be, when we are able to make a difference, right where we stay, we pray for our friends, we pray for our family, we pray for our neighbors, we pray for our fellow worshipers, some who are here and some who are not here. Some whose stories we know, some of whose needs we can identify with, and Lord, in silence, we pray and bring before you names of our loved ones, people we know affected by many challenges. Let's pray in silence. Gracious Father, you know fully what we can see only in part. And so we commend to you those people whose names and faces have come into our minds by your Spirit's prompting, perhaps. We pray for healing. We pray for help for them. As we leave here to return to our daily lives, we ask for courage to look Courage to listen for our ways to serve you and for opportunities to build your kingdom wherever we find ourselves. All this we pray for through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
Our closing hymn is 399. My song is love unknown.
Finally, beloved friends, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worth of praise, think about these things. The blessing of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and those you love today and always. Amen.